everybody, it's the Mankind Podcast. Kind men, listen to this podcast. The revolution of masculinity with your host, Scoop Magruder! Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Scoop. Thanks for tuning in. We got a lot of shit to shoot. Today's guest is a very dear friend. We're going to talk a little while. Do it through the lens of masculinity. What is that? Hey, I don't even know, but it's time for you and me to get real with it. Yeah, it's time for the show. Hey, what's up, folks? I have a wonderful guest here today. His name is Benjamin Weldon, and he's a good friend of mine. We met about two and a half years ago at a Bible study here in L.A., and uh, I let Ben sleep on the couch for a couple weeks while he was navigating, getting his feet on the ground, and lo and behold, two and a half years later, Ben is present with us in the world. And without further ado, Benjamin Weldon. All right, dude, we're live. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, tell us what uh, what's exciting in your life right now. Well, I'm looking forward to getting a job here in the next couple of weeks. I've been finishing some classes, some pre required, some prerequisites for it, and I have I think one, more, two more classes to complete, and then I'll be done. What What was it? You took one of the classes already. I've taken I've taken uh, actually three out of the four, I believe it was. So I have to take one more class on Monday, and then I'll be done. Great. Great. Um, what are you reading these days? I'm reading this book by Dr. Jim Logan. It's about spiritual warfare of, within the family. And it talks about how the father is the leader of the family. And if the father is doing his role as a, as a godly husband, then he should be able to protect his family and his wife and his children from the onsets of the enemy. That is that. Those are gold nuggets in there, man. So, the if the father behaves himself as a godly husband to his wife in this relationship, mm-hmm. and so let's just get right to it because the you know this is the mankind podcast, the revolution of masculinity, and so um, spiritual warfare. If the father can be um, uh, a godly husband, talk more about that example. Talk more about. What does that mean? Um, in in my opinion, for a, a godly husband taking care of his wife, he, he is one who's first going to be praying for her. Uh, my my dad grew up, when we were growing up. He said, "A family that prays together stays together." Yeah. So he, a, a husband, is going to be praying for his wife, for her safety, for her security, for her strength, for her femininity as well, and. Um, and then secondly, he's going to be serving her. He's not going to be dominate, dominating or domineering over yeah. her. He's going to be actually taking care of his wife, serving her, right. doing things for her, like um, doing the dishes, doing the laundry with her side by side, doing things like this, right. taking care of the kids without having to be asked to take care of the kids, all in a way yeah. of equal companionship with her. And it sounds like if a husband is at first praying for his wife, that that's kind of like a foundational, fundamental um, action. You know, if if, if a man is consciously thinking positive thoughts and and asking God, you know, the great spirit, however a person chooses to call it, to bless his wife or protect her, then his actions would follow suit. Absolutely. Um, what, what's the name of the book? 
That's a good question. I keep forgetting it. Okay. But it's just by Dr. Jim Logan. He only has one book out, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you feel that you growing up had that in your life? If it would that your father was a godly husband. Oh yeah, all, I, all the stories I have. So I grew up in northern Ohio, and my father he was he would work at the Ford plant, and he would work either second shift or third shift. And when he was working, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, first shift or third shift. Mm-hmm. So whenever he would wake up early in the morning, sometimes I would wake up with him, and I would see him at the kitchen table reading the Bible and doing his alone time all together. And I'll just sit down next to him and we would talk and everything while he was doing his word. So he was, he was taking care of himself first and foremost doing that. And then I knew he was also taking care of his wife, my mom. Yeah. And, and so the first and the third shift, that's um, the first is like first in the morning or. Yeah. First in the morning. He had to get there. I think like around five 30, something real early in the morning like that. Yeah. And so in northern Ohio, what kind of uh, factory or work was he doing? He was uh, he worked on the assembly line. Okay. Yeah. Of For Ford. For Ford. Okay, you had said that. Yeah. Okay. And you are one of three children, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm the middle child. And you have an older sister and a younger brother? That is correct. Okay. The phrase, be a man, what does that mean to you? Uh, growing up in the society, watching the Sandlot and those type of stories growing up, it's usually when I, for when I hear "be a man," it's normally like being spoken down to to a, a, a kid where he's not emphasizing what it's meaning to to toughen up. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, be a man, step up, do something, like go against whatever you're feeling, or do the right thing, do the thing that's hard to do. Yeah. That's in, like in this society, society, like society yeah. speaking. Like it sounds like it's a derogatory thing that someone uh, in a place of superiority tells a young boy, "Be a man." Could be that, or it could be your peers as well, mm-hmm. like falling into peer pressure in some way, something along those type of lines. Yeah, it's interesting that one of the first examples you brought up was the movie The Sandlot. Right? Does that? Hold a special place. Oh well, yeah, I, I like the the movie growing up. I've watched it many a times, especially when I was in jail recently. They had it on there for a couple of days in a row. Oh, but uh, that boy in the in the Sandlot, yeah, he did. He do you remember the scene where he puts on the new Converse and he jumps over the fence where the yeah. big dog is to to get the ball from ben, Babe Ruth, Benny the Jet, yeah, Benny the Jet Rodriguez. He okay. puts on those new Converses. That's right. That's right. And he 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 emphasized you know a good portion of being a man like he he faced his fears, and he jumped over it and he he got the ball that was needed for his friend he he took a, he he did something for somebody else who was who did not have the skills or the abilities to do that. Mm. Ben, you're throwing out beautiful golden nuggets because there's so many different things we can talk about. You just mentioned how Benny the Jet Rodriguez did something in service to somebody else because Scotty Smalls has hit, had hit the ball over into Hercules' garden and Benny the Jet took it upon himself to get the ball. Mm-hmm. I, is that a quality of a man? Someone who acts in service of others? I think so. I think 
think that's definitely another another skill set, another character trait of what being a man is: taking care of the the helpless, taking care of the the ones in need. Mm-hmm. So I I am so curious because you brought it up that you had just recently spent time in jail. Mm-hmm. Are you are you willing to talk about that? Sure, we could talk about it. If I find anything a little too uncomfortable, like I said, we could just, you know, breezily skip over it. But I'm pretty much an open book. Sure. So they played The Sandlot. Right. In, can you put us in the room? What was the room where you were in when The Sandlot was playing? All right. So we had about eight different tables. And each table had four different metal stools bolted to the ground. Mm-hmm. And they had one 42-inch TV in the room. And they had uh, split levels. On the bottom row, they had 10, no, I think it was, yeah, 10 different cells on the bottom with two beds and one toilet in each cell. And each cell consisted of, it was probably about eight feet deep, like from the, fr- from the, from the, from the door to the back wall. And then the width of it was probably about five feet wide. Oh. And that had two bunk, two cells attached to the walls on it, and then two bunk beds. Two, two bunk beds. Oh, so, okay, yeah. or, or, or rather, one bunk bed. A person sleeps on the bottom. A person sleeps on the top. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then on the top floor, it had it had uh, twelve cells, and then there's a shower up top with a curtain next to it. Just a single shower, not a, not group showers. Just a single shower over there. And okay, you would. Did you have to wait in line? Yeah, you'd have to wait in line whenever you needed to take a shower. And many people did not take showers. You could totally tell that from the smell that they was reaching from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how long were you there for? Unfortunately, I was there for 13 months, two weeks, and one day. And, And do you feel that you were unjustly there for that long? Absolutely. But, you know... All things work out for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Um, I think I had to stay there for a reason longer than normal. Mm-hmm. Normally, uh, when I was talking to different people who were in there for the same charges that I had, they were only in there for about maybe a month, mm-hmm. if that, maybe two months max. Yeah. But mine, I was there, like I said, 13, 13 months. So it was just long. It changed me for it changed me in a different way, I feel like. Uh, maybe it's because of the medicine that they put me on right now, and I don't have a job, so maybe that's the reason why I feel different. Yeah. Hopefully, once I get a job here in the next couple of weeks, I'll be I'll be able to get back to my normal self and sure. lower the medication dose, and I'll become my normal self, all happy and joyful and whatnot. And when you say that maybe you were there for a reason, or y- other than um, you know the law, that there was a change that, that you encountered, that maybe there was a, a spiritual or maybe there was some sort of emotional, psychological change that you were being asked to endure? Do you, Is that a fair statement? I think there was definitely a, a psychological and spiritual changes that did occur there, yes. Mm-hmm. W- what kind of... I'm, I'm curious about... Because I can only imagine with, it sounds like, 10 sails on one floor with two beds each. That's 20 guys. And on the above, it's 12 
with two. That's 24. So a fluctuating number of about 40 guys, mm -hmm. as well as the guards. Mm -hmm. Were the guards men and women? Yeah. We had both men and women. What kind of – I don't know. what. I'm, I'm curious about masculinity and about the – the power dynamics that probably existed? Was there like an alpha male who probably tried to assert him or herself? All this, all the cell inmates were men, is that correct? Yes, all the cell inmates were men. And I was in multiple different units. So they had, on my floor, they had unit A, B, C, D, E, and F. And I was in, located okay. in two different cells, C and D. In cell C, you have, you have two trustees in each cell. And they're the ones that take care of people when they do pill call and the food call. And Cell C was really cool. The trustee was he was a real good person. Like yeah. um, he didn't flaw around his power. He had it under control. Like he he knew what was going on and he would get people to do what needed to be done and he didn't he wasn't ruling with an iron fist. Yeah. It was he a an inmate or he was, he was he an a, inmate. Okay. Yeah. Someone that like other people voted for? No, I don't know if they voted for him, but he was just, he was there when I got there. Okay. So, and I don't think they vote. I think that, I think the deputies anoint somebody. Okay. <laughs> right. They, they pick somebody to do it. Yeah. So he was it and he was real cool. I can't remember his name, mm -hmm. but, uh, and then I got switched to cell D mm -hmm. and that trustee was, goodness, he, he he had some authoritative problems. Like he was ruling with an iron fist. He would yell, argue all the time. When he when he would say jump, we would have to yell how high type of a thing. He right. wanted to be in control all the time, no matter what. And he was not a good leader at all. Mm. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't a leader. He was. He was a. Um, there's you ever see that picture where it shows like. People showing um, – there's, like, three people pulling the supervisor, and he's, like, whipping them. Yeah. And then it shows the opposite picture. It shows the leader in the very front pulling yeah. with the three people. I know saying, what you're talking about. That's it. He that's, was the guy with the whip. He was the guy with the whip, for yeah. sure. Did, did you ask to be a trustee or – I was actually – I got nominated. I got told to do it by um, – when I was in cell C, I became a trustee and was able to do this, do the duties required that needed to be done. Did you feel like you were a good leader? Yeah, I felt like I was real good. I would get to people, tell them what they like, tell them what they needed to be done in a good way. Yeah. I wasn't angry, and and you could tell there's there was one time when I was trying to get somebody up for food or pill call or something, and he just was he grew up on the different sides of the track. And he didn't like the way that I approached him. Huh. And he it was just really strange. I was, like, real kind when I went into a cell. I was like, hey, man, it's time for pill call. And I was trying to wake him up just politely. And he, like, he freaked out and went crazy. Oh. Yeah. You were able to walk into his cell and mm -hmm. touch him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. I wouldn't, didn't, like, it wasn't, like, in a mean way. I was like, because I hate when people wake me up crazy. So I went in there and was like, hey, man, it's yeah. time to wake up for your pill call. Sure. And he, he went crazy. And so, at that point, did guards come to... No, it takes a lot for the guards to get involved. Does it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And and so what happened? Did he end up getting his pills? Yeah, no, he just stayed in his cell and went to sleep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You can't do it. You can't. You, you only you can only do so much for people in jail, and in society. Huh. Uh, well, speak speak more about that. What well, do you mean? It, it only it, it comes down to personal choice for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You you can you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. 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 And so, do you feel as though it, the 13 months that you spent uh, in jail, do you feel like you have come out of it a stronger man? Or how do you feel on your path of becoming a man, of of walking into your masculinity? I th- yeah, I think there's pros and cons with it. But I do think that I think I am becoming more of a stronger of a man going through that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just doing things a little bit differently. Not looking at things that I shouldn't be looking at. That was that's one thing for in particular that's been helping me. Uh, Would you speak more about that? <laughs> what do you well? Because I th- I don't think you're the only person that shares that. Okay. Are you talking about Are you talking about pornography? Yes, yes yeah. I am. Um, well, when I w- before I was arrested, I was addicted to pornography for about two and a half months. I just couldn't break the cycle, and it was like just a downward spiral. I just couldn't break it. But then when I got arrested and I was in jail, obviously I couldn't look at anything, and that was a good good thing. I, the Lord, you know, helped me break that cycle when I was in jail and I haven't really felt I've only fallen I think one time since I've been released mm-hmm. and when I was even even when I was looking at it it didn't have that same type of attraction that I had that it, that it had before it, before it was something that I I was like fantasizing over and looking at it with like googly eyes mm-hmm. but when I was looking at it this time I was just like okay this is this is not having the same type of feeling that it has before mm. So it's, it was a good thing, and plus, before I was arrested, my my thought life was really bad. I was I would see a woman, and I would think, uh, is she sexable? Hmm. I was so I, I look at her at like pretty much every woman. Oh, would I have sex with her? Or would I not? And now since I've been out, I've been, and even in jail, like the Lord was changing my mind and making it clean. I would say, and now since I've been out, I really don't look at women like that. I look at yeah. them as as a woman as. Yeah. As um, a sister in Christ, even if they are non-believers, I try to see them as as a person. I think you're giving voice to something that many men feel and many men deal with in life. I, for one, have that exact same um, challenge, uh, cross to bear. Um, And I think that this is something that is affecting our society, that pornography affects men in such a way that causes them to view and see women solely as sex objects, which is not what we're being asked to do. We are being asked to witness and recognize women as sisters, as the individuals that they are, as women, as human. And with the prevalence of technology and all of these things, I think um, pornography and, and marketing and um, you know, there's this show on Netflix called Sex Education, and it's a, um, you know, Netflix show. And, and I think the very first scene 
on this show is of two minors having sex, and they're fully naked. Um, if 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 I saw it correctly, and I, I watched the first five minutes of it, and I was like, this is this is of no benefit to me. Um, and it's it's I mean you know sex is another conversation. There uh, there are so many things around the idea of sex in our society that need to be demystified and and talked about. And I simply think Ben that you're voicing something that many men confront in their lives. And I, I appreciate you for being honest with uh, about that. And maybe even by talking about this, you'll help um, someone else uh, realize that it's a problem that many men face or it's a situation that is currently facing us right now. But I'm curious to know when, um, when, did you f- when have you felt, when did you feel most in your manhood? Hmm. When let's see. And what does that mean? What what was the situation around that? Because I know that you um, did you do Muay Thai. I did Brazilian. I did mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. Yes. W- was that a moment in which you felt like your ma- uh, masculinity soared, or when you felt most in your sense of being a man? It just it was a sport to me. I didn't. Mm-hmm. It was such a long time ago. It was mid two thousands. Memories are a little um, faded. I mean, I did get punched in my face, <laughs> so <laughs> did you? yeah. Huh. So my memory's just a little faded, just a little bit. But uh, should everybody get punched in the face at some <laughs> point in their life? Just <laughs> <laughs> I got, hey, I got, I got to, punched to in the face. To each their own. I got a fat lip. <laughs> okay, yeah. To each their own. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. I re- well, I wrestled in high school, so. I did that, and that was that was fun. That was a good training experience, and then going into mixed martial arts was a, a great experience as well. Um, but yeah, I think my very first match was real was real nice because I wasn't training at all in any in any gyms for it. I was just watching YouTube videos and practicing with my little brother, huh. and I think that was a good time of stepping up and doing something manly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because I was sort of, it was, it was, you know, looking back on it, it was foolish. Because somebody not going to the gym and training in all the different backgrounds. Yeah. It, it, what was I thinking? I wasn't, I really wasn't thinking. I was just young, dumb, and ready to come is what they would say. Huh. So, <laughs> yeah. But I, I ended up, you know, by God's grace, ended up throwing him in a leg trying and choked him out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> by God's grace. <laughs> it, no, it, seriously, it was. He, I, I was on his back, and he, he reversed it, and my legs just randomly just went up over his neck and just got him in the formation, and it surprised myself because I, I, when I was there and I threw him in the triangle, I was, it sort of it surprised me, and I was like, oh, a triangle choke, okay. I was completely surprised that it happened, so that's why I say, by God's grace, like he was the one that was like, all right, Ben, this guy is bigger and more stronger than you. You need to get this guy out in the first round, if not. He's going to pummel you, and I don't want you to get pummeled. So mm. that's what happened. What about when you were growing up? Um, were there situations or instances that came to you where you, you know, you said that your father would wake up early in the morning, and at that point he would be reading the Bible. And that was a, a, a witness of what it means to be a man in a way. 
He's taking care of himself in his spiritual life so he can take care of his family. Were there other um, instances or uh, events in your life that really shaped who you are? Um, there was, uh, there has been, there are a few situations where the, well, the only story that's coming to my mind right now is when I was at a youth camp and they, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I'll just tell you the quick stories that it just came to my mind. Sure. So we was at a youth camp. And it was the last day, and they was taking an offering for a small little mission group that was there. It was going to be going to some missionaries overseas. And I had a $10 bill in my pocket, and I had three ones. So I was like, all right, we're down in Panama City Beach, and we have to go back to, if I'm not mistaken, Louisville, Kentucky. I was like, all right, I'll give the $3, and I'll keep the $10 bill for for food on the way back home. But I felt like the Lord said to me, no, Ben, I want you to give the $10 bill instead. And I was like, we we had a small little argument going back and forth. I was like, no, I can't do that. I need to keep the 10 because if, if not, how am I going to eat? And I was a chunky little kid back then, so I, I needed the 10. So after a quick little, you know, the offering plate is getting moved back forward and closer and closer to our row. I was like, at the very last minute, I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you the 10. So I gave him the 10, and as soon as it passed by, I felt like this peace came over top of me that is completely spiritual, that is that comes from above. And it was just a wonderful experience. So we, so the, the youth camp's over. We're traveling, and we pull into Wendy's. And I'm staying in the back because I don't have enough money to buy anything. And the youth pastor, his name is Josh, Josh Boswell, actually. He comes over to me. He's like, hey, Ben, why are you not eating food? And I was like, oh, I'm not hungry. And he knew I was not. He knew I was fibbing because I didn't have a really, you know, I don't like to lie that much. So um, he was like, come on, Ben, what's going on? And I was like, well, I gave my $10 bill because I felt like that's what the Lord wanted me to do. He was like, all right. And he pulls out a wallet. He pulls out his own wallet. I was like, Josh, I can't do this. It's your money. It's not mine. He was like, this is not my money. And he pulls out a $20 bill. Mm. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, your father gave this to me before, like right right before we was going to leave a week week ago, said, hold on to this bill because I I don't know if they're going to be responsible enough to have their own money and only give it to them on the way home for food. So that was, again, my, my dad being a responsible parent and everything and just, you know, mm-hmm. being led by the spirit, I guess, knew, knew, just knew what to do. Yeah. It sounds also like your willingness to heed the call that the Lord was giving to you in that moment when the tray was being passed around also was a, a moment of profound uh growth yeah it was it was really neat just that that spiritual peace that came over was awesome and he doubled it as well you know yeah you know yeah any final thoughts that you want to share like what do you what is important for the young man coming of age uh in this world what must he know in order to be a man, to be a kind man. To be a man, to be a kind man. To to embrace his masculinity. You know, we want to avoid toxic masculinity where all we do is we witness women as sexual objects. We want to avoid, uh, you know, 
um, as you said, uh, impure thought life, or however you phrased it. Um, what? How? How do we need to grow? What do we need to do to be better? Well, there's a passage in, if I'm not mistaken, Matthew six, where it says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you." Mm-hmm. And the the context of all these things is food, water, and clothing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first Jesus and, and his kingdom. And seek it with as, as best as you can, as hard as you can. And that's going to affect everything that you do in your life. That means it's going to permeate everything from your inside out. And you're going you're gonna to treat people in authority with respect. You're going to treat your brothers and sisters in, in real life and the people that you come around with respect and dignity and of, and of, and of value. Um, also stay away from pornography and in all its forms, it's, it has its tempting, it's a tempting grasp. It's society, you know, sex sells. They try to do that to get, to get people's attention and, you know, it's hard and it has its tentacle grips as soon as you get involved into it. It just wants you to get more further and further in debt and and, and engrossed into it. Just stay away from it. And we're, we we humans are people. We're, we're a community of people. We are, we're not supposed to be just solitary and isolated. And that's something that society says. They're like, I'm a man. I can do it all by myself. Mm. No, sometimes, yes, you, you need to do that. Yeah. Because that's what I'm, sometimes a man does. He, he stands up for the widowless. He stands up for the ones that need help. But, you know, you don't see an army person just going into war just all by himself. It take, When they go to war, they go all together to the front lines. So get other men with you to help you in this in this front. Or, you know, does, does that make sense? Yes, Kai? sir. All of it does. Last thing, we're going to do rapid fire. I'm going to say a word. Okay. Or an image, and you say the first word that comes to mind. Peanuts. Peanuts? Yes. Cashews. Okay. Ooh. Champagne of nuts. Champagne and nuts are cashews? Yes, they are. Walnuts? No. The crunchy. Mountain Dew. Delicious. Fried potato chips. Fattening. Skinny. Hard to do. Easy to do. Easy to do. <laughs> Not skinny. Okay. Okay, here are the words. You All ready? Right. Man. Me. Woman. Others. Masculine. Hard to do sometimes. Hard to do. Feminine. Beautiful. Strength. Lifting weights. Weakness. Easiness. Leader. Powerful. Success. Wealth. That's the thing that came to mind. Health. Vegetables. <laughs> cool. Like vegan. Sex. None. Like uh, the thing that came to mind was like not having it. I don't <laughs> need it. It's, it's not there. Mm-hmm. You. Blank. <laughs> Nothing. Cool. Cool. It, all right. 
Ben, thank you so much for being on the Mankind Podcast. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure.